0: He doesn't know. Oh, quick. Ah, we'll do it live. Yeah, I can't I still can't post links on Facebook until Tuesday, so
1: I should have never given inadvertently given you the floating head idea. This is God. It's fucking with me. <laughs> have, you, you, have you seen uh, Rick and Morty, Matt? Uh, well, yeah, I've seen Rick and Morty. Show me what you got. <laughs> Dude, I'm just saying, in my younger years, it's a good thing they didn't have, like, this accessible green screen.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, all right.
0: <laughs> Alright, so let me bring up my little soundboard of fun, and then we will start the show. So uh, if I can get everybody to mute, we will start this little ditty. <clears throat> i mute myself here.
3: Once a week, three laddies come together from distant lands to talk about Bigfeet, Martians, Ghost, Time Travel, Chupacabras, and the Sweetwater Legend. I think we're all huge fans of the Sweetwater
1: Legend. This is the Fortean Slip.
0: With your host, Chris York. Say no to Quaaludes?
2: Fuck no. Wait a minute. No. Say Yes. Co-host, Steve Alcorn. Take a break, shut my camera off.
3: And sometimes, special guest, Matt Knapp.
1: Just accept it for what it is and just watch it and enjoy it. They don't know who you are. They don't know
3: what you want. If you're looking for entertainment, you may have come to the wrong podcast. But what they do have is a very particular
0: set of skills.
1: There are no cows.
0: No cows? No cows were harmed in the making of this incident. We often wish that your relationship went much like that of the praying
1: mantis. (laughs) I thought that was a reference to everything being green. Yeah, I sure you did.
2: Carry on, gentlemen. I'm going to do something else for a little
0: while. Wow, Steve, Uh. would you like us to stop the (laughs) program so you continue to do your shit? You're about to witness the strength of creep knowledge good evening and welcome to the 40 and slip this is episode 123 the rick dyer freezer hoax brought to you by steve (laughs) calls 50 large. Now, uh, yes, that picture right there, Steve. Yeah, That one right there. Steve's got it. Look at Steve go. Uh, Yeah. We were going to do this one the week before last, and I got kind of screwed up with scheduling, and I had to push Steve forward, and then I forgot about Super Bowl, and uh, yeah, that whole fucking mess. Uh, But here we are to talk about the Wonderful uh, story. The the whole breakdown of what happened. What year did that all fucking take place? Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Fucking <clears throat> twelve years ago now. We're still talking about. Hey, it. Before we get <laughs> into that, has anybody seen that fucking documentary on Netflix? The the pharmacist. Not yet. Has anybody delved into? Oh my god! I I plowed through it the other night. And I talked about this on uh, on the show on Saturday. The, if you have not seen the the sh- the documentary on Netflix, "The Pharmacist," I wholeheartedly recommend that you sit down and watch that thing. It, the fact th- what that man was able to do and how much resistance he got from everyone is phenomenal. And in the end, the DEA and the FBI had to literally say it's because he just wouldn't listen he he made it happen he we t- kept telling him to back off and he wouldn't but he took him down and it's an amazing story like the the man is uh, i i've talked about my you know my pill addiction in the past many 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 times and you know the fact that this guy would actually talk to people when they came into the pharmacy if if I had just had one pharmacist who actually like had a fucking heart who had said something back in the day, you know, if that would have changed anything or made a difference, or if, if one, you know, if one of the doctors had actually tried to treat me instead of um, just throwing drugs at me, then maybe that would, uh, would have helped too. But I mean, my biggest, my biggest takeaway from all of this is just the same as it was when I went through it. And that is, That the doctors were so willing to throw me on the fucking drugs, but when I had a problem, they were so unwilling to help me. There's like, ah, fuck you.
1: I saw an article last night. Um, So, like, I don't know what it's like where you guys are. I don't know if this is just a thing across the board. But here, uh, nurse practitioners can open up doctor's offices. Mm-hmm. and they can't do everything a doctor can but they can write some prescriptions and you know they, it's usually they're more accessible than a doctor's office you know yeah. to make an appointment there and, and then I the, saw where it, this, go
0: ahead well, well, before you go into that Matt one of the things they go into this documentary about is how easy it is to set up a pain clinic and you don't even have to be a doctor
1: yeah it's crazy well this nurse practitioner was a uh, trading prescriptions for meth (laughs) and this is somebody so like obviously a meth addict you know and it's somebody that like people are going to see to get help with their health problems yeah
0: well and and you find out in this documentary that this doctor that he was going off after also had some issues It, it, it it gets so for me it got so dark watching this because i i literally watched everything that i went through everything you know them talking about how you know they were talking to addicts and they would talk about how yeah we would all wait for each other's prescriptions to get filled you know you'd have like four or five people waiting on your doorstep the day that you got yours filled and then you'd be on their doorstep the day that they got (laughs) theirs filled and that's exactly the way it was that was exactly how i lived my life it was disgusting and to uh, and to see it unfold in that documentary, it's it's really really good. Um, uh yeah, uh, yeah. We channel central, yes. Para breakdown. This channel's getting shut down. Phil couldn't manage to not put other people's videos on the internet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you got to take it now. Well, I'm sure there was no, a few I, complaints about uh, copyright on.
0: Yeah, on. I, I, listen, I and. Phil this is no news to Phil. I've told Phil for a long time. Listen, you're a smart guy. Stop doing this shit. It, just talk about the stuff. Talk about it, say give your opinions, do a fucking podcast, stop doing this. Like you're gonna get that channel taken down. And I, it's too bad. I mean, I've I've always liked Phil's videos. I've en- I've enjoyed a lot of his stuff. Um so it's too bad, but uh, you know, good luck to him with whatever he's doing. I know he's starting like a Patreon or something. Uh, <clears throat> so I'll figure it out and more than likely promote him. Um, but yeah, the Rick Dyer hoax, the 50 large book, which I was supposed to get a copy of. Steve, I'm gonna bash you yeah, a little bit. Right now. I, I know. Man. I know that I did not get. I did you did send me some uh some pictures uh that I did receive um
3: a couple of weeks ago, yeah.
0: Yeah, from the book. Uh, see if I could...
3: Yeah, you'd think I'd have a PDF copy, but I had enough hard drive crashes <laughs> to friggin'
0: <laughs> You did send me a copy of the uh your new book, which I do intend to read. Um I'll try yeah, actually, I'll try to plow through that between now and next Sunday.
3: Yeah, that one. That one. Well, I just wrote it, so the PDF is right there. Even my my second uh, my second book, what would Sasquatch do? I don't have a PDF copy of that anywhere either. It Was lost in hard drive crashes. Yeah, and uh, I was like, wow, I thought I had those backed up, but I didn't. And uh, I don't live very close to a UPS facility. Believe it or not, it's painting. <laughs> live in the middle of the woods.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm lucky in where I live. Uh, you can see it behind me. Um, <laughs> it's uh it's a where I live is actually it's not very active right now, but I'm very close to areas that are. So it's not, I'm not far from you know central hubs. I'm in a very much a vacation spot. So it's and it's not warm right now. So there's nobody. Oh, no, it sucks. It's dead town. No, it's nice. It's it's wonderful. I love it. I have this uh, this amazing thing happens from like May until September where all these crazy fucking yahoos come in and they hoot and holler and make a lot of noise. And I have to deal with that. And then this amazing thing happens where they all just disappear. (laughs) And I have this bliss of silence for months. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm really close to stuff. Um, But you, we, you had said you wanted to talk about, you know, break this whole thing down. And I thought it'd be a good idea to do because Steve, Alcorn, our resident uh, <laughs> former investigator, uh, has had his hand in this as well, as well as Matt. And Again, I you know,
2: myself came I, in the later hoaxes. But. I,
0: I I I myself had no like I, I was in, in nowhere nowhere's near any of this at that point when Dyer was <laughs> w- had come out with this, but um, I was around for this some of the subsequent stuff, the Hank uh Stank. And, and was there one before the the hank well, tent, tent video yes the tent, the tent video. video um but and we've always said we're just waiting for the next one with him just waiting for it
2: oh it'll happen
3: that, that's all dependent on a couple of things but i'll, I'll explain that later because I, <laughs> I have a very good psychological oh and, of, and
0: and matt i've got to, i've got to uh fess up the the vaping didn't go down exactly. Uh, yet. I'm working on it. I'm working. It all was right. it, it it was a uh, 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 lapse in judgment. Uh,
2: and
3: Alcorn ain't quitting.
2: Al-
0: no fucking Alcorn's gonna vape until he fucking drops dead. You kidding Actually, me? Actually, I am. I am considering.
2: <laughs> sl- I'm considering slowing down because I've been like wheezy the last couple weeks and i have a a good feeling it has to do with that thing oh i'm sure i vape on that thing way you vape a lot more than
0: even i do um and i it, it just got to the point where i needed to have some i mean i was getting so antsy i needed to have something to grab and i still want to get rid of it it's it's definitely on my list and i'm not like i don't look at it like oh
1: yes it's back I would just like to point out that you can get non nicotine vape.
0: Yeah, and I, I actually I am I'm probably going to do that. So
2: what's the
1: point? Exactly, the, because, because it's, it's part exactly of what he's dealing fine. with. Yeah. Yes, I get it, but like, I couldn't. You know, I you gotta can, have like, some sort. Well, he of... dropped the levels of nicotine, and eventually, just it's flavored, and then eventually, you, you
0: yeah. get to the and the I may part need part. To, I may need to do that, but like I was talking to you earlier in the week, Matt, it's more that it's a it's a habitual grab thing right? where I'll be sitting here and then all of a sudden my arm will go to reach for it and it would happen a lot.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, when so I, I
1: quit smoking. It was a, uh, that instinct after dinner, you know, and uh, driving, driving was driving, a big one. Driving's the worst. Yeah.
0: Um, You know, cause you're just sitting there and you just, you're so used to grabbing it. And yeah. you know it's a, a, for me it's a routine thing. Like I would get up in the morning, I'd get my coffee, I'd sit down, gr- reach for it. Yeah, and I the the days that I wasn't because I went quite a few days without using it at all. And um, yeah, I mean just, I've been over the weekend. It, I I uh, I had I had a lapse, so
1: I haven't spoken over a couple of years now, and I still on occasion just out of nowhere get that freaking urge just to oh man i wish i had one i,
2: I i'm the same way somebody lights up a fresh cigarette oh my god
1: well we know. went
0: we went up to my uh my, my cousin greg <laughs> the, guy, the guy that was on the on the uh <laughs> Thanks, podcast sir. he came up from new york over the weekend and i went up to see him and his wife and uh, her kids had come up with them and some other friends of theirs and his son, and uh, his son actually watched one of our shows last night, uh-uh. um, and uh, uh, so when I got home, because everybody up there smokes, and when I got home, the first thing I noticed was how I s- fucking stunk.
1: Yeah,
0: I was just like, oh god, because I had wound up grabbing a couple of cigarettes while I was up there. That's what it did it. I just got, f- I had a drink with my cousin. I was like, ah, fucking, I need this fucking cigarette sat down, just started shooting a show with everybody, but I did not smoke weed because people were passing around joints. And that's the thing that I was, I was like, you know what? I, I, I stuck to my guns on the big, the big thing, I'll
2: tell the you thing that I,
0: that I didn't think that I'd be able to do. Cause I'll when be I, honest with you going up there. I did not think that I would be able to say no to my cousin.
2: When I quit smoking, the first two things I noticed the most, <laughs> is how much other people stink that smoke and how good food tastes now yeah those are the two things it was crazy it is and amazing. then i went back a couple of weeks later and tried to have a cigarette because a stressful day at work or whatever and i damn near vomited it was so bad well
0: the thing that i notice about them now like is i it's it's i'll have like one or two and then it's just ugh.
2: yeah i i can't I'm i wouldn't be able to i wouldn't right be able to do it's, it not,
0: it it's not the same so but no offense, I,
2: yeah. uh, Mr. Coles. I
1: mean, yeah. yeah, surprise <laughs> calls. This is an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> quit smoking, you fuck. Well,
3: well, you know, I, I quit for three years.
1: Yeah, you did.
3: I, I remember I quit, that. I quit for three years, and, you know, shit happens. Stress builds up. Give me, a, give me an effing cigarette, and that's how it started all over again. But then I actually... I don't went, know how you
0: afford them where you live, Steve. I buy smartly, yeah.
3: Um, he you gotta, can't you gotta uh, give that information.
0: I, I went up. I went up for my cousin. Uh, my cousin lives in Watertown, and uh it. When I went up for his wedding, buying cigarettes, I I think I almost went bankrupt.
2: The you got go, to go to the reservations and buy exactly. exactly. I don't know cares. that going to visit. Yeah, but listen, man. you're you're you went right. Freaking
3: past it, basically. Yeah, when you, you go to Watertown, there, you. you pass them.
2: <laughs> and the gas
0: uh, is cheap All there, I know too. is I pass people in friggin' horse-drawn carriages in Amish country. Oh, yes,
3: there's plenty of Amish. In fact, uh, our, our Bigfoot... Albany to Watertown. Our Bigfoot capital, Whitehall, has been inundated with Amish. oh ah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, we, we went to an expedition. There were three... Three Amish carriages sitting there, and they were all loading up, and off they went with a big pile of horse dung right in the middle of the parking area. I'm like, really <laughs> great, that's awesome, that's yeah. just wonderful. That's we, we have
2: quite a. I'm not that far from Middlefield, Ohio, which is like the second largest Amish population in the country. So we got quite a few here as well. But
0: so,
3: where do we want to start with the whole dire bullshit? Well, we'll, we'll start. I guess we'll start at the beginning the
0: beginning i don't know how i don't know how the whole thing i'll i, I can tell you how i knew about it I'll, I'll start off with that i this is how i found out about the the rick dyer hoax there was a huge news story that somebody fucking <laughs> got, shot a
1: bigfoot in the head in a freezer that's, that's and i went
2: what how I, that's how i heard about
1: it too i mean it just started off as just a satire video didn't it see
3: um it did but they were making a lot of, of serious claims after and they were making a lot of um God, I, I don't even remember the videos because it really those initial videos played such a small part. <clears throat> and with, with a lot of things people didn't know was, but you knew, Matt, because you were kind of I was actually uh, doing a little undercover stuff. You know, I kind of got myself weaseled into the Biscardi group as a consultant to them. And uh, so I was going out to see if he was playing shenanigans. And uh, it, other than just very minor, minor infractions, I would consider them just, you know, like, come on, really? That's that's not a Bigfoot. But, um, you know, he had people claiming they were and he was building it up and I would then they would put me on camera and I'd say, no, it's not a Bigfoot. Sorry. Um, but I had actually gotten away from that with a lot of knowledge that I had stashed away. Uh, then came the Rick Dyer videos and. Dyer had originally wanted me. Oh, please take that picture down. Oh. Uh, yeah.
1: you just and it ain't because of yep. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's very true, Matt.
2: <laughs> I was going through the internet trying to find photos. I, I found some more. I'll just have to.
3: Um, I'll take it off. <laughs> wow. That was a blast from the past. Yeah. You're an
2: asshole. <laughs>
3: But there, there's a backstory to that too. <laughs> no, we won't. We won't <laughs> that, yeah. no, no, this is this is really interesting because, um, so at one point I start getting into a conversation with Dyer, and I'm telling him I I don't believe you, yada yada yada, and then he asks to be put in contact with Biscardi. You know Biscardi? Can you put me in contact with him? Well, originally, from and I learned this afterwards after the whole it was a lot. A lot of the information came out. After um, the hoax got trashed. Um, But anyway, to make a long story short, um, and and it gets a lot. There's a lot of minutia to it. Um, Biscardi, uh, I have Dyer and Winton on my radio show, and I'm listening to it. And everything they said on my radio show is bullshit. And. Biscardi called me up the next morning and says, I'm going to give them a call. I know this is all bullshit because I did this. And I said, well, I called that. So he actually called up a couple of their sources and everything was bullshit. And that was the last I heard of Biscardi until he said, I really think they have it now. (laughs) I really think they have it. Yeah, right. So what he does is he pits the whole thing because I was a real wild card in this thing because he didn't control me. And he starts pitting them against me. You don't want to talk to that guy. He'll blow everything, blah, blah, blah. Conversely, he would say to me, listen, these guys are real sketchy. And please don't talk to them. I'm trying to work this deal out with them, whatever. So, Biscardi makes a couple of trips. And mind you, I'm documenting all this. Then comes the, the, the one morning where he's out there uh, to do contracts. It's 5 o'clock in the morning, New York time. And he's calling me because it's one o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the morning, California time. Can you type these contracts out for me? Yeah, no problem. So that gave me a lot of insight to what was going on behind the scenes. That's right. do get me a Snapple. Um, so anyway, uh, they supposedly picked the body up. They're moving it. I'm calling the team because the team is the only one I know is giving me the honest answers. <clears throat> Now, a lot of people think that, you know, Biscardi's team was in on this. They had no fucking clue. Not not a clue at all. They they just were told to do this. It was supposed to be thawed when they picked it up. It was frozen solid. They turned over $50,000, which was given to them by one of the uh, Biscardi's investors, Bill Lett. And that that becomes a great um, point, which I'll get to, to later. So they, they take the body to uh, um, Eaton, uh, Indiana, which is about 50 miles, I'd say, about, uh, well, it's about 10 miles out of Muncie. So I decide on my own, I'm going there. I know where it is, I'm going there. So I head out and go there. <clears throat> so I, I, I get on a plane. I'm in the air. That's when they're having the press conference. I have no idea what's being said in the press conference. Thursday afternoon, I'd gotten an email from Biscardi saying that the DNA was a cross between human and an ape, some sort of ape. Saw it right there in black and white. Actually, I found out later that that email was actually phony. It was actually changed by Biscardi to make it look like an ape. The DNA was actually an opossum. Opossum, yeah. Right? So mind you, this is a guy who never out and out lied to me. You could talk to this guy, but now that the game is in play, he's doing nothing but lying. So mind you, his behavior is changing. Go out, uh, go out. I land. I get picked up by uh, Biscardi's son TJ, who, hey, he's he's a straight shooting cat most of the time too. So I got I, I got real no gripe on him. So we drive out there, and then there was these crazy ass rumors and. And, uh, you know, and, and throughout this whole thing, I was actually talking with Matt. Matt was like my my guy outside the inner circle of friends I had that I was telling all, everything to. I was give, actually giving him more information than I was giving people around me and a lot more of my honest thoughts about it. Um, so I remember that evening and and everybody was armed because there was like all these friggin rumors flying around. And, and there was a fair level of paranoia that, that Dyer and Witten were putting upon them. And there was this wild rumor that the Chinese wanted the the, the body and whatever. You know. <laughs> and as, cra- as crazy as that sound sounds, you know, they're looking at it. Well, you know, the boss, not not me, but the team is like, well, the boss says if they do, so we got to take these precautions. And our, he's paying it. So literally, it was an armed camp. So I go in, and uh, then TJ, Sorry,
0: and- I'm here to see the rebels.
3: Yeah, well, yeah, I, I was, it, it was, uh, it was, it was quite an interesting scene. So here's this: I, I get there, and here's this free uh, truck, and in the back of the truck, plugged in is this freezer. Or actually, it was unplugged. They were trying to defrost it. It's locked with a padlock. I got in. I took a look, and you couldn't see nothing. Really, it was all very glazed over. Um, I'm looking at going. I, I just, I, I don't know. You can't see nothing. So we go back in and we wait, we wait. So it, it, it got to, I got there probably, I want to say two, three, four o'clock in the afternoon. I, I don't remember exactly which it, it was. It was um, Eastern time. I believe it was in that particular area. And so we have dinner and, you know, I'm yapping with JC Johnson yapping with Leonard Dan who were just brought on to to do this thing with them. And, of course, you had Java Bob Smalls back and and TJ there. And Java Bob was just the mouthpiece for for Tom, really. Um, And Brian Mazzola, who was a, a videographer that was been traveling with them, trying to, you know, get film and stuff for Biscardi's various documentaries. Now, the funny thing is, is leading up to this whole thing, Biscardi was calling me, didn't call me for like this whole time, and then the, the, like T minus four days, he was calling me every day. And he says, "Oh yeah, uh, Tuesday next week, I got these guys coming in from Fox. They were the guys who did the alien autopsy thing." Blah 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 blah. Okay, put that in the back of my head. Whatever, I don't care. I want. I just want to, you know, show me the monkey. That was my thought. So get out there. Um, TJ and I start listening to Coast to Coast AM that night, and the big discussion on coast to coast that night was the Bigfoot body and Lauren Coleman was on. And then this guy called up who said that, listen, I I saw the pictures. That's my costume. You know, basically it's been off a little bit, but that's my costume. And this is the website of the costume. And we're looking and TJ and I, and the funny thing is TJ and I look at each other. Now it's, uh, we, we, we just shake our heads. So we catch a little bit of sleep. Everybody's taking a watch for a couple hours at night, making sure that, hey, that, that you know, they just paid $50,000 for this thing. You know, you got to keep an eye on it. So everybody took a turn for a couple hours watching and making sure nobody was, was prowling around the property, which, hey, you know what? Even if it wasn't the quote-unquote Chinese, there could be some people that would get information and try to do whatever. So made sense to me from a security aspect. Yeah, okay. You got to have people watching the thing. So about... Four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. I, 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 I somebody, uh, I'm asleep in a, in, a, in a lawn chair, and, and, uh, all of a sudden, somebody's shaking my shoulder. It's TJ, and he's got the key to the thing. He goes, Come on, let's go see if this fucking thing is real. Because he was really bugged about the Coast Coast podcast. So we go in there, pop it open, and now it's defrosted enough where we can start chipping away shit. And I get to a hair. And I pull one of the hairs out and I go into the room and I, I look at it. And actually, it was TJ who pulled the hair. I'm sorry. TJ pulled the hair. He goes, Here. He hands it to me. He goes, Check it. See if it. So I get in there. I pull out a magnifying glass and I'm looking at it real close. So I take a flashlight and I put it behind the hair. And I can see the light of beam right through the hair. And I look at it. It's a tubular, it's tubular, it's plastic. So I'm going, You know what? We got another hair. Let me burn it. See what happens. And the thing just goes into a ball. I go, that's plastic. It's it. it, it it's not real hair. It's plastic. Hair would burn. Plastic would just melt. And that's what it did. Right. It melted. And uh, so then the decision was made by Java Bob that, well, we should call Biscardi and. And tell, uh, tell him he fucked up. Yeah, yeah, you're telling me for, well, <laughs> see here's the thing. And 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 you're gonna put
0: a little bit more than just Snapple in that bottle, Joan. He's gonna need it.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's gonna need a whole fucking case of Snapple. <laughs> um so that was the last we heard about from Biscardi for about I'm trying to think when the uh probably about a good four or five hours. So we're all sitting there going, okay, it, it, it's fake, whatever. Uh, I'm pissed. Everybody else is there is pissed. And now we're all trying to figure, now, mind you, at this point, I didn't know the actual DNA results that were, were, were there. I, I didn't have that information. I didn't see the conference. I didn't see anything. Otherwise that would have been a big flag to me. Well, why did Biscardi send me something that said differently? Hmm. So at that point in time, I had no frame of reference to say, well, you know, is he just really stupid and believed him and they snookered him and did they take the money? But he did say he saw it, smelled it, touched it, all that bullshit. So that was lingering in the back of my head, but I have no real evidence that he had, you know, he yep. actually had hands into it. Right. And uh and that that I did a show that Monday night, and that was the biggest, my biggest mistake. I should have canceled the show, but I had made a promise to tell people whether or not that was real or fake that Monday, and I did. I should have just cut it off then, but I I, I continued on and, and people started getting on my case. Well, you think Biscardi did it? I said, at this point, I can't say he did, and everybody jumped on my ass for it. But I couldn't say anything otherwise because I didn't have the evidence. And a lot of people who know me, Matt included, I'm not going to condemn somebody of hoaxing, no matter what their reputation is, no matter what their past is. I can't say they're involved in that without the evidence. Just can't do it. I won't do it. That's uh, investigation principle 101. I don't work on everybody else's timetable. I work on the investigation timetable.
1: Well, you also had, I mean, whenever that was all going down, I mean, you did your show from there
3: right so i could you were
1: surrounded by like armed biscardi people (laughs) you know and like (laughs)
3: well let, let me make let me make this straight now at the time my girlfriend was becky and becky had ties to them but not no real involvement with them for a long time and the funny thing is is as time went over we never told them that we were going out together nobody knew that for so the longest time that that Becky and I were there, but they had seemed to know that prehand, and the minute the hoax went down, Becky left. Within a month, she was gone, with a lot of wild stories, um, stories like, "Oh well," and and the funny thing is, we were living with my friends, and she was coming with stories like. Oh, he's been abusive to me and all this crap. What the hell is this? And I'm going to, and then she was dropping lines. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to send a letter to Matt Moneymaker and I'm going to send a letter that Steve knew about this and blah. I'm like, she was a plant. The minute I separated from searching for Bigfoot, you know, and I attacked searching for Bigfoot within 30 days, she was gone.
1: Didn't she take like a bunch of your files and stuff?
3: Uh, I know a lot of my files disappeared. Like, like, um, I had spreadsheets of their financials that seemed to disappear. I mean,
1: keep in in mind, I mean, while people are listening to this, uh, it sounds like this is sounding pretty ridiculous even for a Bigfoot story, but you have to understand that, like, this is Biscardi's livelihood. He has, like, lots of rich backers and investors. Like, this is, like, an actual incorporated company that's traded on the stock
3: market. Like, yeah. this was a big deal. Well, for the first time live on air, I'm going to show somebody something. If this, if people think that this is a story or think that this is much, what I have here is the entire police file from post hoax. It includes statements. I have a copy of the, the, the EBT receipt from the $50,000 that was given to them. Yeah, Stat- actually,
0: that's one of the pictures you sent me.
3: Right. Uh, this is the entire file. It was eighty nine pages of police report.
0: I'll see if I get, I'll try to pop that up real quick, Steve.
3: Yeah, I also had. So, as as we move through the story, um, as we move through the story, um, Biscardi comes back on and says, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a talk with the boys, and I'm gonna see if they'll they'll give us back the money." A little while later. Well, let me share that one for some uh, through, through the PDF. So, but.
2: <clears throat> Steve, the money did actually change hands. It did go to... Uh,
3: oh, Dyer yeah, absolutely, Witt. absolutely, okay. yeah, 100%. Okay. So Dyer
2: um, got paid 50 grand. Dyer and Witten, yes. And yep. Witten, yeah. Yep.
3: Now, the they got their 50 grand when the body got picked up. Now, Java Bob went in, and, uh, and, and Matt remembers this. Uh, I actually had... This was going on. I mean, you want to talk about the play that was going on that, you know, Java Bob comes to me and says, listen, I believe Biscardi was involved. Yada, yada, yada. And then he comes on my radio show and completely flips. Yeah. And he came up opposite. Yeah, he said the opposite. Right and uh the funny the funny I thing believe is, i lost my shit when that happened you did. <laughs> he did He did because matt was like you you know what where would you and, and i sat back and i was like okay i'm just gonna hang back here and let matt matt take care of business because <laughs> because matt was like the the secret weapon there he yeah. you know and you know, I mean, it came down to, to have about, well, you don't know, we were under you uh, under fear of our lives and blah, 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 you know, because it was a guy with a gun and there was a guy with a gun there. His name was Frank and I actually have his real name, date of birth. He's an ex-con and I, I mean, I've been to all, and, and we'll get to that, but I've been to that place where they picked the body up. I've been to where they exchanged the money. I've been to the hotel where the contracts were signed. I, you know, so I, I've been to all those places. I was at the store where the freezer was bought. I got a copy directly off the printer, handed to Dyer, who handed it to me, of when the freezer was bought, which coincidentally was uh, two hours before Biscardi flew in. And you can't freeze 124 gallons of water in that freezer overnight. So his excuse was, after this all went down, and I remember Brian Mazzola asking him on that Sunday, and this was in the final conversation. So I'm kind of skipping ahead. Tom, what did you really see? Well, it it was all in ice, and I went to touch it, and they said, "No, no, don't touch it." And they closed the lid, which we know is bullshit because that free that 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 water in that freezer couldn't have frozen in those two days, solid like it did. No. And uh, so. I, <laughs> So, you know, that that kind of me proved it knowing his timeline of the dates he was there. I think it was he was there on, on August 3rd, 2008. And again, I think on August 9th or 10th, 2000, uh, August 9th is when he went to see the body. The freezer was bought, I believe, uh, August 6th. No, it was the seventh he was in. It was like the day after. So it, it was like, you know, it, it didn't fit The the freezer through that the freezer receipts through the whole thing. And I did interview Dyer afterwards. I actually went down to Atlanta and the um, uh,
0: the freezer was bought on eight eight. That's right. Eight eight.
3: That's right. So I was right. So he did come down on the ninth. Or yep. he came down on the eighth. And the next day when he was ninth, that's when all those pictures were taken. You know, and I'm, right and,
1: there in Steve's uh panel you can see the garden hose going into <laughs> <right>. the freezer <laughs> right. as they're filling it with water. Right.
3: And and right, <laughs> and that was a picture that was taken. Now the and the funny thing about that is um uh, Dyer had made mention that that it was actually Biscardi who suggested they freeze it in layers and that make it freeze quicker, and it did. But at that point in time, you can tell, and and there's the freezer, you know. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it was it was pretty condemning of Biscardi at that point. Um, and, and the the whole the whole camp thing, Matt's right. When I did the show, I, I did have. Uh, TJ Biscardi was standing right next to me the whole time. Java Bob was out there monitoring the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, had I, had I said something out of line, I'm sure you're sure all of a sudden my computer would have gotten unplugged or something like that. And that would have been that. Um, But nonetheless, I came back. I started accumulating this information. And then finally it came down to Dyer saying that he thought I had something to do with the hoax. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, time out. You know, I, I went there on my own. Biscardi didn't want me there. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm skipping ahead again. It's such a long story in different pieces. Mm-hmm. So uh, Saturday, he's trying to get the money back. That was, you know, Friday was the conference. Saturday morning, at you know, by the time we called him, it was like 6 in the morning and uh, told him it was fake. He calls us back about 11 o'clock, says, well, I'm going to try to talk to the boys and, and do this and do that and tell them it's fake and I need the money back. And then uh, a little while later, uh, he calls back and says, well, they they said they they don't have the money anymore. I'm like, I'm bullshit, because I got thinking to it. I like, they got the money Friday night and then they had to fly out to California.
0: Listen, listen Steve, cocaine costs a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um, maybe on dire side. Uh, I, I don't know about I, I don't know about Matt, but uh, Witten. um. But they got the money on Thursday they had to fly out for Friday for the press conference so where'd the money go they, they didn't spend fifty thousand dollars in a matter of a few hours so I knew that and I taught I tried talking to him Biscardi said well here you can try to talk to them and their response was well we just want to talk to the Biscardi about this because I because I was pressing the psychological buttons on Witten. I was saying listen you're a law enforcement officer and you know you're 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 doing this doing that and i i hear this like talking in the background well actually from what i found out was that biscardi was there at the time i was having this conversation and he was telling him just tell him that you want to talk to me because the original plan was and and and, well hang on so the next morning sunday sunday morning comes and we're all sitting around and the phone rings well tom wants to talk to us Such and such time. So we're all sitting around in the garage on a table, all in chairs. And Tom calls. They put it on speakerphone. And that was where Mazzola had asked him, What did you really see, Tom? And Biscardi goes, Well, here's what we're going to do. But I I need you guys to. Now, J.C. Johnson and Leonard Dan and Bill Lett all went into town. They were kind of trying to keep Bill Lett in the dark about all of this, pretty much. They go into town to get groceries for dinner that night. So Biscardi calls, put it on speaker. He goes, Well, I just I just need I just need you guys to say what you know what you think, and if you if you're gonna go along. Now, here's what we're gonna do is we're we're gonna say that the public pressure got too great for, for Dyer and Witten. Now, mind you, this is before the TV show, before the announcement. Pressure got too great for Dyer and Witten, so they're gonna take the body back. And they're going to take it back to Georgia. And we're just going to all sign NDAs and say, that's it. So we won't talk about it again. But we got a hell of a story here. And I don't need anybody going cowboy on me. And I knew that was directed towards me. You um, are a
0: cowboy. My You're fucking, a loose cannon. Cult. I'm a
3: fucking rogue warrior. <laughs> uh,
0: you put on that <laughs> fucking tactical gear. Watch out. That's
3: right. <laughs> that's right. Um.
2: So wait, Which? this was before the press conference this happened?
3: No, this was after the press conference. No, this was but after, before, okay, okay. but before the the official announcement that it was fake. Nobody had known okay. at this point in time. Um, except, uh, you know, a very few. So Biscardi
2: at that time wanted everybody to sign to NDAs. Control. Yeah, damage control basically. Right. Yeah, sign NDAs so that you wouldn't be able to talk about it.
3: Right, right, right. If there right. was a man had, that refused.
2: Right. I'm going to guess that you didn't sign the NDA?
3: Uh, well what happened was is the, the vote went around the room and there was me, Mazzola, TJ, and Java Bob. And everything TJ's role. Well, you know, whatever you want to do, Dad, I don't care. Well, Mazzola, well, whatever you want to do, Tom. Java Bob said, well, I may not agree with it, but you're the boss. Steve? Fuck this shit. <laughs> oh, no. I was so angry, I was beyond words. I said, I need a minute, and I walked out. I walked out. I remember throwing a chair across the front lawn. And when they came out, I turned around with my finger drawn. I am not going to fucking cover a hoax up with another fucking hoax. And they were like, oh, it's okay. No, no, no. We, We understand. We understand, blah, 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 blah. So they had to call Tom back and said, no, Steve's not comfortable with that." Okay, fine, click, and that's the last I ever heard of Tom Biscardi. Fucking wow.
2: cowboy! That so, was it. So you're pretty—I mean, you're dead certain that Biscardi, prior to everything, knew that this was
3: fake, right? Not prior to everything. Not prior to everything, but once p- at, he once he saw the thing, and well, you see, at this point, at this point. I'm still like, what the fuck did he really see? Did he? Because let's face it, he's known to exaggerate shit. Oh, sure. Yeah, right. oh, yeah. So at that point, did he just go down there to say, hey, you know, oh, yeah, I saw it. I touched it. I did it, you know, because he's just trying to build up promotion for it? Or did he really know it was a hoax? I don't know at this point. I have no evidence at this point in time. I have nothing. I don't have a freezer receipt. I have nothing. So I do the radio show next day, tell everybody, but I don't have any evidence. So what happens is from that point going forward, and there was people that wanted me to do radio shows and stuff, and I, no, I'm not doing nothing. I sequestered myself. I did not post nothing. Uh, I put off the radio show that I had. A lot of people turned their backs on me. People left. My, my co-host at the time left the radio show. Um you know, and, and Matt Matt knows Matt knows. I mean, people were dogging me because I Ew. wouldn't, cond- because I wouldn't condemn somebody without evidence. And I that, thought that was me. um.
1: Now looking back, very <clears throat> reflective of how the Bigfoot community works. But at the time, I thought that was really odd. That like, it all went from tell us if this is a hoax or not to nobody cares if it's a hoax or not we want you to condemn Biscardi. Right, exactly. And he didn't have, Coles didn't have any evidence yet. You know, he he hadn't even started that area right. yet. Uh, and, you know, it was an opportunity. I saw that Coles, you know, yeah, he exposes hoaxers, but he's also fair about it. And even though, I mean, I think it's okay to say this now, like yeah. the whole time, like, Cole's was in there to uncover shit on Biscardia. He thought he was a slimeball piece of shit, but he didn't have any evidence to support that he was in on this hoax. Correct. And at that time. Correct. So he refused to go down that path and Poles became ostracized for it. Yeah. The community turned on him. His and friends, his peers, the,
0: everybody. We've talked about that for a long time. That yeah. in these communities, doing the right thing more often than not is not a good
2: thing no for the people involved you got to be all in or all out in this.
3: well you know i look at it from a criminal justice standpoint it was just it was a good old lynching except for i was the sheriff standing there between the jail and the guy locked up between the the, me the guy locked up in the jail behind me and the crowd they wanted me to go in there and pull him out and say yeah there you go he's responsible
1: right that's the thing it's far less that people really want the truth or the the, you know the honest delivery as much as they want you to say what they want to hear
3: i i think in 50 large i think i wrote they wanted their ounce of blood yeah they wanted they wanted their ounce of blade wanted their pound of flesh yeah this is a hope i want my pound of flesh well
0: and we we see that we see that too today like uh when they come out and, and if somebody accuses someone of something in the media especially that that person is demonized. They've done it no matter what. And it's happened where people have been accused of something. They've been completely uh, cleared of all wrongdoing and the public still, they still hold that
3: stain. Right. But here's the, here's the amazing thing. And one of the, one, one of the more uh, things at the time, you know, I was devastated when, when the community turned on me, but, but in truth, time diligence and truth in finding the truth and then finally having the evidence to say here you go here it is now I can say this <clears throat> the passion of the moment had passed through the Bigfoot community and they all got thinking to themselves well shucks maybe we were too harsh maybe we were wrong right. and I did get my quite a few share uh, quite a few pieces of apologies and apologies for people
1: mm-hmm Across the board,
3: uh, across the board, you know, the truth comes out in time, not because somebody wants it to come out, but because it has to work itself out, either forced out, or it has to work its way out naturally. Yeah, you know, the surgeon photo in Loch Ness, that was a hoax for seventy-five some odd years until people started dying, and then the truth finally started coming to the surface. You know, other things like. You know, uh um the time Tim Fasano did the Bigfoot Busters blog where he was behind it. Yeah, I, I kind of exposed that well why are all why is it the same Google AdSense as Tim Fasano? Blah 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 blah. <laughs> and then that forced that out. Mm. Right. And eventually Tim straightened his ass out. Unfortunately, I, I feel sorry, you know, he passed away. And you know, I, I, I had actually and, even but, though uh, I but,
0: but Steve, I think we all have like the same feeling about Fasano. Fasano yeah. was a character.
3: He was, absolutely.
0: He Fasano he, wasn't, I mean, I don't, did, did Fasano have passion? Did Fasano try absolutely. to get you to believe in it? Yes, but I, I don't ever look at Fasano and go, Fasano was a fucking hoaxer. No, not I at all. I don't look not at him all. like that.
3: Not at all. And and the funny thing is is that, <gasps> that you know, once I, I I put it out there, he was like, all right, yep, it was me. I'm sorry, uh, blah, blah, blah. And we moved on to that. Even him and I moved on from that. You know, him and I had some great conversations down the road. But even though he's a character, he's funny as hell. Very
0: hilarious. And
3: and he was very opinionated. Yeah, he was. And that that was that was really what made him. It wasn't that he was. I will. I
0: will forever miss his taxi cab videos.
1: Yeah,
3: I (laughs) I know um But but yeah, you see, wonderful. you see. So the truth either comes out naturally over time, or it gets forced out. But that takes time too. Yeah. And depending on the weakness of the cat you're dealing with, depends on how quick you get information. So what happened was was this: I started a tactic that Biscardi was during the setup to this thing was trying to work Dyer and Witten against me, and me against them. I reversed it. I had him working against, uh, basically them working against Biscardi. You know, because their their mantra is, well, we admitted it. And that guy, you know, there's one other guy that's involved in this that really hasn't admitted his part. So I remember it was around Christmas time. And Dyer was on some show when he said something about maybe me being involved. And that pissed me off. The First thing I did was I called his number. I'm like, who the, what the, listen, we need to fucking talk. I want to know why you want, you think this. So we did a tit for tat question and answer session between each other for about an hour. And he asked the first question is, well, why didn't you ever call us after this all started? We started getting with Biscardi because he told me not to. And he goes, that son of a bitch and then it was like a bat hit him in the head that he realized that hey you know maybe that's exactly what was going on so dyer eventually invited me down to atlanta i went down there and he said he picked me up at the airport we we had dinner uh i went to the hotel he dropped me off at the hotel he says i'll be back tomorrow morning 10 o'clock and i'll go wherever you want me to take you and we'll you know so he did he took me to where and I actually stayed in the same hotel that they signed the contracts. And he showed me, this is where we signed the contracts. Yada, yada. You got the pictures, uh, Chris. So we, we, we go on, and, and, and he takes me to the store. He takes me to the, the place, which I saw the video of it, so I knew what the place looked like. And um, so he, he took me to all the spots, gave me the information, showed me the uh, uh, auto store where <coughs> Biscardi had purchased the paint on a credit card, and how I knew, how I knew I had them. Was that Java Bob at the time back in 2010? And even right afterwards, when they heard this rumination, when I posted that video of me talking with Dyer about the credit card, do you have the credit card? Do you have the credit card slip? 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 They were the only ones asking me that. Uh-huh. Because I never said, I okay, they bought it with a credit card. But they were asking me about a credit card slip. I never said to anybody I had a credit card slip. Because I knew that as a private individual, even as a private investigator, I could not get that information from a private private business. But they were certainly fucking worried about it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, because that would have been the real nail in the coffin. Well, there's Biscardi buying the paint, which they painted the face with. So I got the freezer receipt. I got a, a damn good story. Now, here's here's an interesting thing, is that a lot of people don't know this, but Rick Dyer stutters. Um, and if you look at certain psychological models, when a person who does, oh. and, and here's the psychological element, and and uh, and and people who want control, people serial offenders who want control, and I would classify Rick Dyer as a serial offender because he hoaxes, 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 hoaxes. Uh, serial offender, it's very similar to other serial offenders. Mm-hmm. And it's about control. It's not about getting a kick off of somebody. It's about control. Um, and that's what he felt when he does these hoaxes. It's all about control. I have control of this situation. Oh,
0: he's look, the ringleader. He's 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 got right. his mustache. He's got the top hat. The fucking big top's up. Yeah. He's fucking in control.
3: So you look at it from the aspect of when I was controlling that interview, he began to stutter a bit. And that's when I really felt I got the honest wreck. <clears throat> and he told me everything about well, they had a piece of this possum meat that, and, and, you know, when when and that was the thing. They, what he was saying made sense about everything. Stuff that Biscardi had told me, what he was saying was filling in the blanks. So to me, as an investigator, I couldn't understand A, B, you know, I was getting A, D, X, G. And as Dyer's telling me this portion, it was like the missing portion coming together. Ah, now I see the clear picture of everything, the DNA. Well, he goes, he went, he said to everybody, well, we're going to go get the DNA sample today. He goes, I took him up to a, I took him up to a friend of mine who had a dead porcupine and, or an opossum. And that's where they got the, uh, they cut the chunk of opossum because it wouldn't easily be recognized. (sighs) And then while we're in the car, Biscardi said, you know what you got to do is bleed on it, get some of your DNA on it to contaminate it. Now the funny thing is, and that and that and <clears throat> and, and and the funny thing is, who was the first person to promote Melba Ketchum? It was Biscardi. Yeah. Yep. So I'm like, oh, that's very interesting. Now that you know, a few years later, I'm going, oh, this all sounds familiar because all the geneticists are saying, hmm, there seems to be human contamination, human contamination, human contamination. So,
0: um, so, so wait, are you saying Melba Ketchum is a f-
3: fucking fraud? No, is, <laughs> is that um, what I'm is that what I'm hearing here, Steve? Although there is no. Uh, I would say direct evidence towards it. There's a lot of circumstantial.
0: Remind me to bring this up
2: again after the show. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, uh,
2: well, I got to uh, ask you, Steve. Um, and, and,
3: and the and the and the kicker on that one is well, one name, Casey Mullins. Remember that name, Casey Mullins? Allegedly, that's who she bought the journal after, or bought the journal from, I should say. I got. I got to ask uh, you. Going oh, that's the, what
0: the one that she published it in, right?
3: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. She said she bought the. Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: No, I want to go back to Biscardi knowing about the hoax prior, probably I'm sure prior to Very the press But you said, you know, you and TJ were there, and you found the hair, and you realized it. So Biscardi didn't even tell his own fucking son that this was a hoax, or do you think TJ was it okay? On well, it
3: that's a real good point because it's actually a point in the book that I haven't wh- read that I I actually write about Sunday morning. Um, or maybe it was Saturday. I gotta, I gotta read the book. It's been so long, but TJ was down by the little Creek bed behind the the garage and he was in tears and he was so angry at his father because imagine the shit my son has got to take in school now because of this. Yeah. How
2: old was TJ at the time?
3: I don't know how old TJ was, but I know his son was uh, still in elementary school at the time, I think.
2: Okay, so TJ was an adult. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. TJ's yeah. son that you were worried about. He was right. worried about
3: it. Right, he, he, and he was so mad. TJ eventually would deny that, but that's what happened. I, I'm i not a liar, and I was really pissed off at TJ for denying that.
2: So so Tom lied lied to his own boy.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's no, pretty fucking no, low, man. Nobody knew. Um. But it's, uh,
0: it's but again though it's very indicative the the, the lies, it's, it's right. very indicative when people get deep in this shit they don't they don't try to get out they don't try to come clean they just go deeper.
1: Well, something with, that Biscardi was really good at during this whole thing was if you can imagine like basically, you know symbolically you have the the body, Dyer, Witten, and Biscardi inside a tent scardi did a very good job at keeping everybody else outside of the tent
3: correct correct that's why he went to Atlanta twice by himself the only one that ever met those guys was was him about this whole deal he start to finish now there was a lot another interesting thing was was to me I couldn't understand the end game what was the end game what was the end game And then Dyer said, had the missing piece of the puzzle. And it fit with something I said earlier. Dyer said, I don't know what he was really intending on doing, except for he was going to create a Bigfoot autopsy video and put it on Fox and broadcast it and make a couple of million dollars off that video. And then it linked back to when he had told me a week Now, mind you, this is in February of 2009 that he's telling me this. And that brought me back to August. I forget the exact date. I think it was probably, Oh, I don't even guess. But it was, it was that August before the pre- the week leading up to the press conference when Discardi told me, I got these guys who did the alien autopsy. They're coming in to film the autopsy of, of the Bigfoot. And then we couldn't understand why there was no scientist that, you said you're having this body and you're going to have this thing, Autopsy Tuesday. Who the fuck are the scientists? Where are the scientists? There weren't any because Biscardi knew it was all gonna be a sham. It was gonna be a sham video showing some people <clears throat> he was probably gonna try to have you know the team there dressed, you know, in surgical gear and make it look like they're doing they're the the scientists or whatever, or or maybe these folks he was bringing in would have their own actors.
1: And and if you think that is bullshit and nobody would believe it. There are still people who believe the alien autopsy video is real,
3: and it's yeah. well. But you see, it's not a matter of who believes in it. And, and you see, this this was the the biggest thing. And, and I'm going to get into the real Biscardi. Is is it about believing it or not? Biscardi couldn't give uh, two shits whether or not if that video came out, whether people believed it or not. It's all about the money that was put into the bank account for it. Exactly right, Steve. Right. It's all about the money. If you think about it. Biscardi from 19, excuse me, 2006 to 2008 took in 400, and I know this because I've seen the financials, took in $400,000, $400,000 to put up a Bigfoot museum. Here we are 14 years later, still no Bigfoot museums. How is that possible? I saw the one when he had me down there once I oh yeah there there you see that right there on on the, on the San Francisco uh, wharf there oh you see that we're going to rent that out we're going to rent that out and put a Bigfoot museum in that well it's for rent you have all this money why don't you do this well you know I'm still in I, I, I still have litigation going right with, down on the waterfront right down there on the waterfront he was I've been that. there
0: oh. <laughs> I mean that'd be a great place to have a fucking bigfoot museum <laughs> and, and
3: probably probably the best document i had gotten from mr dyer was something and and i like lauren Coleman, but he was he kind of pissed me off you know always claiming i was a biscardi employee Mm -hmm. and you know i even posted the 1099 i got i said i'm not an employee of that company i did not work for that company i was a consultant i was contracted so i have no allegiance but dyer gave me something that i had never seen before i'd seen them but i was not privileged to see inside them and that was this. And that was the searching for Bigfoot, in case you can't see it. And the business plan. Business plan 2008. And in that, believe it or not, uh, if I can get to it, because it's very pertinent to. Oh, uh, there it is. Here's the picture of the building on the wharf that was for rent with a little graphics on it to make it look like it's a Bigfoot museum. And that's where they want to put the museum. And it never came to fruition. Why? Because it's just a scheme to get money, period. End of story. That's his whole thing. Now, as far as doing the movies and stuff like that, well, he has, you know, at that time, I saw like maybe $50,000 come into investment for his movie projects. But all that does is serve fodder to pump up the museum aspect. In other words, well, the more bullshit evidence that we can get out of the field, like the hand of unknown origin, which is um, a bear paw um, and, and some track casts and stuff like that and some, you know, all this uh, Ivan Marx's cast and whatever. That's part of the Bigfoot Museum. That that we can show. Look at this. This is what we're going to put in the museum. Look at these wonderful movies we're putting out. You know, we're going to build a museum. And that's how he attracts investors. Now, the funny thing is, is that what I had noted was him paying investor money to other investors. What is that called?
0: Uh, that would be called embezzlement.
3: Mm, starts with a P.
0: Uh uh-huh. Ponzi Ponzi. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ponzi. Right. 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 When you're yeah, paying. Yeah.
3: So you're paying investors to keep them satisfied. But in the meantime, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 2008, the CFO of searching for Bigfoot was David Nilsson. David Nilsson owned this big real estate company um, in uh, 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 the Monterey, California area, I believe. Um <sighs> And uh, it's it's really uh, hang on a second. Let me executive summary. Um, I, I have it right somewhere here. where are uh, showing the business description. Where is it? Marketing background. No, no, no. I want I want the list of officers. Um, it's in here somewhere. I gotta flip through. It's been so long since I've even looked. Ah, here it is. So right there, David Nielsen, Chief Financial Officer. I don't know if he's at his federal prison yet, but he got sent away, I think, in 2011-2012 for a Ponzi scheme. (laughs) And for working working with the Wall Street Journal, the uh, one young lady reporter had actually told me that searching for Bigfoot received some checks from uh, Cedar Funding, which is Nielsen's company. (laughs) So...
2: I love it. So, so how, do, how does Biscardi get away with this all these years, though? I mean, how it's obviously yeah.
0: How does he pain, sit, how but... how has he managed to to not stay squeaky clean? Because it's obvious he's not squeaky clean.
3: Well, uh, let let's look at it, let's look at it this way. As far as the uh, when we look at the uh, the one thing I did was in in 20, oh the end of twenty oh nine, beginning of twenty ten. Um, I foil requested the. Atlanta or the um, Clayton County Police Department's file on the hoax because Biscardi kept claiming, oh, we're going to sue them. We're going to sue them. We're going to sue them. The only problem is, is it was Bill Lett's money and Bill Lett would have to sue them. Right. And Bill Lett did want to sue them. But here was the problem. Bill Lett states that he loaned Biscardi the money. Which means Biscardi had to pay him back $75,000 within 90 days. That was the terms of the borrowing. Biscardi contends since the money was given to them and it wasn't a real bigfoot that he doesn't owe Bill Lett the money. And but nonetheless the, the police department put it squarely on Biscardi saying, "Hey, Bill Lett, if this is a loan as Bill Lett is claiming, he can't file the complaint. He can't file a lawsuit. He can't file a complaint. There's only one person that can, and that's Biscardi. Biscardi never did across the board. Why not? Why not?
2: Well, then people will be looking into his fucking financials, right? Well,
3: well, no, they would realize that he, uh, Dyer and Went would get on there and say he was part of it.
2: Yeah. yeah, he was. He was
3: complicit, right? He was complicit in this, and and given what I was coming out with. There's just no way he could have done that, and the funny thing is, is their statement. There is, uh, I had done a press release on uh, something written on Sunday that went out Monday, and Java Bob edited my press release. In fact, I even have a copy in there. And the funny thing is, is I look at Java Bob's statement, I look at Bill Lett's statement, all written from a police department thing. I read um, T.J. Biscardi's account, all written on police paperwork. And then I come to Biscardi's statement. Biscardi's statement says, this is what happened. And he shows that and he puts that on top of a press release signed by me that says right under it, edited by Java Bob. And that was his statement to the police. So in other words, his statement was the weakest to the police and he had the most contact with them he had the most contact with him. He was the one who went down there and said, "Hey, you know, he would be the one to put the nail in the coffin to them." But he can Bob. No, no. Tom Biscardi. Tom Biscardi. Okay. Right. But his statement is just this is what happened and gives him the press release. Now wait a minute. What 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 about the 8th when you flew in? What about the the th- April uh, August 3rd of 28 when you flew in when the contracts were written up? Right? What what, what? 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 This has nothing to do with that. What about that? That's the important thing. That's where the deal was set up. Then, when the police finally decide to call it quits, was when they discovered that the costume, that actual piece of monkey shit behind Steve there.
0: Yeah, that you know th- this thing, people.
3: That yeah, that thing right that there. Thing. Not not the one in front, the one in the back.
0: <laughs> yeah, the monkey in front is Steve. The one in the back is the, the fucking hoax.
3: <laughs> um, uh, when they saw that on eBay, they had gotten tipped off. It was on eBay, and it was up to, like, $230,000. Turned out it was a bullshit bid. But anyway, um, that's when they were like, let's call Biscardi. Hey, do you know your stuff is on, on eBay? No, I didn't know you know i I had no idea well, whoever's selling it, they don't have authorization for me to sell it. Oh, by the way, it's up to two hundred and thirty thousand dollars. His own <laughs> fucking ego couldn't get him out of not knowing. so where where is that costume and that, that now? is actually that is actually a memo in the police file where is the, Where is the costume now? uh, the last I knew about, it, and this was years ago that t j. Biscardi had it be
2: a, I mean right there's your museum fucking
3: piece. Right, you know, right
0: that's one of the pieces you could put in there the rick dyer hoax fucking costume right put it in a fucking freezer you could have it set up just the fucking way it was
2: without the guts in it you know, no, without you know what? awesome
3: that'd be worth money to me hey look a i'd go see one. it <laughs> honestly I, i'd go
2: see it because right. i wasn't in the bigfoot world back in those days but i do remember watching the press conference on tv and yeah. it's actually what got me started in Bigfoot is that and, and press conference because I and I guess was naive. what Steve? I didn't know.
3: Guess what, I touched it, felt it, and smelled it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it? No, I'm not gonna go there.
3: <laughs> well, you walk in that once that ice went away, you couldn't help but smell it. Yeah, well, wet, uh, wet. I costume, I, I, yeah. I just I,
0: I mean the
3: the ego with, you with have to part. have yeah.
0: to to try to do this. The, the, the fucking insane ego you have to have
2: i get where i get i get where Dyer and witten were coming from in the beginning it was a, a they were fucking with people and it was the <laughs> early days of youtube you know that kind of stuff
0: well i i mean i guess but i'm <clears throat> like biscardi B- biscardi, biscardi to tied it all together has always seemed like just this overinflated ego guy you know, a- any of the programs I ever saw him on, he just seemed like he was trying to make himself much larger of a figure than he really was. I mean, that was my take on him.
3: Oh, yeah. So in, in actuality, there's actually three separate reports written about the eBay sale right here. And the last one, the last one states this On or about Monday, October 20, 2008, I spoke by telephone with Mr. Thomas Biscardi. I called him to inquire if he was aware or involved in the effort to auction the Bigfoot costume on eBay. Mr. Biscardi told me he was aware of the eBay auction of the costume. He made the statement that the highest bid was up to $250,000, indicating he had particular knowledge of the eBay auction. Mr. Biscardi told me he was not involved in the eBay auction. He explained that his people were in possession of the Bigfoot costume, and therefore Bill Lett, Matt Witten, Rick Dyer, or anyone else involved did not have the authority to sell the costume. The funny thing is, is the the costume actually was being sold by Joshua P. Warren. Uh, I don't know if that name comes out. It's a it's a big name in the paranormal world.
0: Is he related to the Warrens? No, negative. Okay. Cause, yeah, because they're, they're yeah. yeah. No, but, wait. He he has the same last name, but not related. Right. Correct.
3: Okay. And I believe it was actually let that that put the uh, costume up for auction. But the funny thing was, is that, yeah, his son was. And and the funny thing is I talked with with uh, TJ about that, too, at that point in time, because uh, at that time I was still talking with TJ a little bit. I said, what's going on with this costume thing? And he says, "Fucking, I'm selling it. He goes, and you know what? He goes, if I get that money for it, he goes, we're all getting a piece of that because we got fucked over. And that was his that was his point. Is
2: TJ but, still involved with his dad in the company or anything? Or? Yes.
3: Oh, absolutely. Balls deep. Now he even has his grandson involved in it. Um but you know, I, I would I would suspect that Tom, as he's getting up there in age, is having less and less participation. Uh, you know, and the funny thing is, is I would notice the the change in cadence is that like when while we're out in the road and Biscardi was not there ninety percent of the time. You know, where, where all these trips are being made, it wasn't Biscardi making him. He would fly in if there was press coming, do his little bit and fly back home. But the the two or three days he would be there would be total hell because he is a total um, ass, part of my friends. I mean, nothing was ever his fault. Everything was always somebody else, somebody else's fault. He would get off the phone talking nice to somebody and then, you know, cuss up and down at him afterwards saying, oh, what a fucking idiot, you know. After you he's kinda, talking, you
2: kind of got that idea. Right. That documentary they did, with, where he says, "Joan, get me a Snapple." Just the way he says that, too. Right. Him, you kind of well, get the idea. What kind if of? If you've not
3: he is. seen, it's your uh, not your typical Bigfoot movie with Dallas and Wayne, uh, Dallas Gilbert and Wayne Burton. Biscardi has a piece in that too that he mm-hmm. wasn't in control of, and you see how mean he treats them, and uh, you know how condescending he is to people. Oh yeah. Um and the funny thing is, is you get him outside of the Bigfoot World, which I've seen him, and he's a totally cool guy. Totally cool. Again, very, very close to serial offenders, how they have this two two personalities. When they're not in that that evil element that sparks their their well, sociopathic side.
0: But well, Steve, and we've all worked with people that are like that. Right. We're outside of work great guy or yeah. great great woman when they're at work you know it, it maybe it's the person that's in charge whatever they're a motherfucker
3: right yeah and and you know here's the thing and you want to know how long this battle has gone on um i don't know how or what inspired it uh, maybe it was a blog i wrote i'm not quite sure but i got a letter from uh, a Searching for Bigfoot board member and attorney, Dennis Kazabuski, um, threatening to sue me in 2015. <laughs> well, you have Mr. Biscardi consorting with a lot of nefarious people like who David Nielsen. I have that in print, <laughs> mm. you know, so I, I wrote back to him. I wrote back to him. I said, you know, you were to remove you know, me. I said, I'm not removing anything. I said, and you sue me. Fine, I'm going to countersue you for frivolous prosecution, and I'm going to turn around, and my first witness I call is Tom Biscardi. And guess what? He's not protected by the Fifth Amendment in a civil suit. So he's going to have to go on, and he is going to have to testify. Mm. Needless to say, that ended that.
0: Yeah, well, good. (laughs) Fuck him. That's something that that really irritates me, because I've... Even just doing this show, I've dealt with it a couple of different times where people have threatened to sue me for fucking stupid shit.
3: Well, of all people, we've talked about Linda Newton-Perry. We talked about Linda Newton-Perry the last time. She's threatened to sue me. If I had the money, I would sue you for for what?
0: Yeah. look (laughs) For calling you out for your bullshit?
3: For your obvious horse shit stories? Which my second-grade grandkid could show you that was bullshit. Yeah.
0: I mean, that, that, uh, she was one. When you, when that got brought to my attention, I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, she's,
2: she you is. But <sighs> you know exactly what would happen in a lawsuit like that. The judge would, it would be most of the time laughed out of court. Anytime yeah. this kind of thing has gone to court. Exactly. Uh, Hovey polling. I mean, it would, they did, it, nothing happened from it. Nothing happened,
0: money. but yeah, but That's Bill it. wound up losing money.
2: They both did. Yeah. You yeah.
0: The, well, how much did she really lose? I don't know. That's I, the thing, because I, I, I wonder, you know, how much she even had to pay her attorney, if anything. You know, I, but Bill sure did Steam
2: lose money, and on we're that. not going to ask. <laughs> I, I don't.
3: I, I don't. I, you know, I, I don't involve myself in, in, in stuff that's not my business a lot of times. Right. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, and, I, and I've always said this when. You have one Bigfoot researcher suing another Bigfoot researcher, we all lose.
1: Yep. Uh, uh, well, I,
3: I've felt that.
1: Uh, I stick my nose in shit that doesn't involve me. Well, I, <laughs> I know uh, that,
3: man. uh <laughs> attorney was her friend. We were talking about Diary, pro bono. weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: it may uh, have been pro bono. Yeah. But, I mean, sure, there's filing fees and shit she still had to pay, but I'm sure Phil lost more. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I, I just, I think we can all, like... Clearly, say that Phil lost out more than anybody else out of that deal, uh, it, and, it, and it was a sad day. I think. Love I personally that. think it was a sad day.
2: Sure, for everybody.
0: You know, but uh, hey, Matt, didn't you have something you wanted to bring up tonight? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh.
1: laughs> just that tone. Well, it's just the latest events of this past week. I wanted to get Mister Cole's opinion on it. All right. Uh, seeing as you know. He does what he does. Uh, we have a history uh, together and everything, and he is a Bigfoot researcher. So it's been uh, uh, talked about this past week in the Bigfoot world uh, Expedition Bigfoot. Ah. Uh, coming out that it was all bullshit and hoaxed and lies were told and people were deceived. And surprise, surprise, it was a television show, folks. Is that Russell Accord's show?
3: Yeah. So, okay. the... Hey, did he just pull something out of the Bigfoot's guts? I <laughs> saw that. <laughs> he
2: did.
0: <laughs> Steve's just pulling shit out of the Bigfoot wall.
3: <laughs> hey, did you turn about when the that filing cabinet looked like it came out of the Bigfoot? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the uh, DNA. So, um, so yeah, Steve, what's your th- thoughts on the, the information coming out this week?
3: Well, I, I kind of work like this. I, I've seen it very cursorily. I haven't really... Mind you, this week, uh, I saw that, but then I was finishing a book this week, <laughs> um, and I had an ice storm, which lost me without power for 14 and a half hours. Uh, yeah. did, so you, that, did
0: you wind up with all the internet bullshit we had uh, up here in Maine? Did you guys have those outages?
3: No, no. Luckily, when the power came on, I go, well, is the internet on, and everything worked. I'm like, okay.
0: Yeah, we, we had like some crazy yeah. spectrum outages from like Maine to New York. Yeah.
1: So,
3: Yep. Okay,
1: um, so Allow so yeah, so the question this way—that's
3: so, so no no no. So <laughs> let me—I I can give you an answer. Cursory, okay. what I have to do is check the sources on that. If it, if it is legitimately a concern, then if, if this is legitimate, like this is where it was shot, you know, there's a couple of things. Well, are they having Bigfoot activity on that particular campground? Right. You know, or. You know, was it just put there because it was easy access for everything? Mind you, I did show a picture on my on my uh, on my podcast, uh, probably like after the first episode or second episode of of Expedition Sasquatch of them walking into this wilderness, allegedly. And next to them in the grass, you could see a set of tire tracks. Mm -hmm. So that kind of leans to me in credence that this was a very big operating campground. It wasn't as remote as they said it was if the team members are going out on separate platforms telling them telling people differently then yeah that's that's not good news well, but i still got to so dig into it
1: whenever somebody comes from the bigfoot world as i mean okay i'm aware of who russell accord is i've probably talked to him a couple of times on the internet years ago as far as him being some big name researcher, not really that much ado about him until he became Bob
3: Gimlin's handler. Right. And that's not not even being a researcher, really. Right. Right.
1: But people are pushing him as a researcher.
3: Sure. yeah.
1: So a researcher in the Bigfoot world who has their credibility at stake agrees to do a television show. Not a documentary, but a television show. They go on the show. The show's bullshit. People find out it's bullshit. Do we come back and hold them accountable after the fact in the research world? Or do we just write it off as, well, they just did a TV show. It's no big deal. Do we
0: write it off as the cost of doing business, basically? Because
1: with a lot of things that people are either unaware of or overlooking, uh, season one, Finding Bigfoot, they hoaxed on that show and got busted. They were pushing, you know, right. but the was it, thermal reading Is right, right, right. But that, and,
3: but that was turned out to be it was not necessarily the researchers involved, that was actually their editing team, right, trying to make things. And that's why things changed from year one to year two. They almost walked out on year two about that. So I will give them props for that, but they had the wherewithal to say, listen, if you're going to pass this crap off as being real and it's not, we're not going to do the show. And they, got a little more editorial control you want a season two this is what's going to happen a b c and d right and that came from multiple uh, sources so to to me that that okay so uh, you know the show lasted for nine years uh did it produce any evidence no not really but at least years it was, too long yeah, maybe <laughs> no, i enjoyed maybe, it maybe, maybe, not, maybe not maybe not maybe so, I'll, I'll
0: be i'll be completely honest i watched one episode of finding bigfoot
3: I mean, I've watched a few,
0: and I laughed the entire time.
3: Well, it, it's meant to be kind of jovial. It, it didn't. It's not supposed to appeal to us, well, well because it, it's well, a see, TV the, show.
0: Well, yeah. The 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 thing that it did with me is it it. I won't say that it disgusted me, because it, it didn't disgust me. I didn't sit there the whole time and go, "Jesus Christ, right. old man in the fucking chair." I, it was more. Uh, the thing that really irritated me about finding Bigfoot was the Bigfoot facts yeah. that they would put yes. out, or the Bigfoot factoids. <laughs> yeah. that, I was like, yeah. "How?"
3: Well, again, <laughs> right. again, that is that's Hollywood doing their thing, right? You know, they're trying to be cutesy and whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I um, met. Listen, I I went out to the the Bigfoot Museum in Northern California. An you actual know, an, museum. The actual Bigfoot A museum. Real one. The Big real one. The one that Mike Rugg runs.
3: <laughs> Not um, the one Biscardi runs.
0: Right. Uh that he doesn't have. Um, <laughs> and I met the the Finding Bigfoot crew. I met the whole all four of them. I met Moneymaker, Bobo, Cliff, and, and Renee. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I thought that Cliff and Renee were really cool people. Um, I didn't have much use for the other two.
3: Moneymaker I've, I've I Moneymaker agree. like
0: yeah. showed up at the end and like right before they started shot past everybody and sat down.
2: I had a really on Richter's old show. We interviewed Cliff I think on two occasions. Yeah, and I've interviewed he's, him. I I feel like he's a pretty
3: genuine guy. Yeah. At well, least he you know, was I, at that point. I I you know, I interact quite frequently with Cliff and Cliff's a, a real great guy.
2: Yep,
0: absolutely. Uh,
3: Bobo is too. Um, I, 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 you know, the only met- thing
0: that I, th- I, I, I just thought that Bobo was a bit much.
3: No, like, he, no, no, he no, showed
0: up with two guys, they were all wearing the same shirt with the same promotion on it. Uh, one of them had a ukulele. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I just thought that, that Bobo was a bit, I didn't have an issue with him. I just thought he was too much. It, it, it was overdone,
3: but it would really, it would really shock you. In the two times that I've met MoneyMaker on, because uh, I work with a couple of different shows, um, well, we sat down, had some great conversations. Yeah, and, I, see, I didn't and, get to and,
0: really, and, really talk. And, you
3: know. and, and and you know what? It, it was like the first time we met, and we had our differences for a while. And, uh, you know, when I first met him, I said, Hey, listen, I just want, you know, let's just put the, he goes, ah, he goes, that's all in the past. Come on. We went in the house, we, you know to Frank, our buddy Frank's house. And we sat there and had a cup of coffee and shot the shit. Like we were, you know, just a, like a couple of war veterans talking about, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Right? Very, keen, very keen to see what I was doing and the equipment I was using. Cause I had brought it, um, you know, and then the second time. It, it, that was a really funny thing everybody it, it was kind of like my my another 15 minute of fame moment of me so i'm sitting in the audience at the, at the town hall i got my team there everybody wanted to go i got you know paul bartholomew there and 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 uh, a couple other people some of the witnesses that i'd worked with um and we're all sitting there kind of and all of a sudden the head pops out of the curtain it was moneymaker where's steve coles <laughs> and he's looking he sees me and he's like come here so I disappeared from the car and I didn't realize I was gone for an hour and a half. <laughs> and we, we were sitting, sitting there and he was trying to logistically find some good places to, to get evidence. And I was giving him, you know, and that that was it. We were we were talking about, we, we shot the shit about a couple other things. And he's like, so what do you think? You know, should we go here? Should we, we should do here. What's your thought on this? Uh, you know, it, it was, to me, it, it was a great interaction. So. I can't say much bad about the guy because he treated me, you know, like a peer. So, that's all I can ask for.
0: I I just my interaction with him I didn't those two didn't interact with me at all. Whereas Cliff yeah. and Renee yeah
3: oh renee is a wealth of knowledge
0: there. oh my god and and i'll tell you I, I i had always said before then i was like man they could not butcher her more up on that fucking show right. i had always said that she looked more like a man than anybody else on air and when i met her i was blown away by how beautiful she was yep.
3: and you know the funny thing is is you know who she really got in a conversation with the last time was my son and my son was a at the time he was a fish and wildlife you know uh, student he was mm-hmm. you know, he was getting his bachelor's degree at the time and they had gotten a long conversation about different biologic you know biology things and you know now my now my son and you know I, I he she did give him a lot of encouragement which i thought was awesome and now he's a new york state forest ranger so you know it, it was like you know they they were genuine people and, and that's the way i look at it. they were genuine people conversely you have a show like the mountain monsters which was totally you know but but we know that's hokey we know yeah. that's purposely done. And you know, but those guys you meet them, they're genuine too. And they have their own. They they are really are, you know, mountain men. They do know how to hunt, they knew how to trap. They they got picked for certain reasons. Um, yeah. but you know, they knew the show was a hoax and, and, and they never even claimed that it wasn't. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll tell you we know it's all a gag. He goes, Yeah, he goes, We're just out there having fun. That's all. What
0: do you, what do you think, Steve, about that? Did you catch that video that Kid that went up and went out with uh standing, god, standing.
3: I did that on my show too with the gorilla gloves. Yeah, that mm. was great. <laughs> We've all been trying for years. What's not... his name? Uh, what's his name? Uh, um, flounder. Uh, from animal house this this is great we've all been
2: we've all been trying for years to catch todd with something like that and And this dude just shows up and it's right no
3: no no but that wasn't (laughs) the funniest thing the funniest thing the conversation i think we had a 15 minute conversation on the blonde intern (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah you're showing her the sasquatch right yeah
0: (laughs) Oh my god which what a stripper?
3: Fucking... W- what stripper pole did he find her off of
1: holy fuck <laughs> talking about a dead horse uh just today i saw like a, a post on the internet about todd standing and you know his shit <laughs> and they were all like uh well after hearing todd's explanation that's good enough for me and like yeah todd's got the best evidence and oh just ignore the haters and people still this day believe that bullshit. And used to, I would go on there and write up a diatribe, like scolding all of them and <laughs> going on. And today I just I just click past it. You I just don't pass by either it. Either. <laughs> yeah.
0: It, it's amazing. Like the wow. uh, uh, it's amazing what happens to you after you've spent any number of years looking at this stuff. It, it how quickly you just become jaded. Mm-hmm. I, I, and and we've talked about this so many times, Steve and I, Matt and I, all three of us. It, you, you look at this shit long enough. It's like that that what is it Nietzsche that says that you know you look long enough into the abyss, the abyss looks back into you. It's the same fucking thing with this bullshit.
3: Well, you, <laughs> you know, look it,
0: long enough into bullshit, and the bullshit looks back into you.
3: Well, you know, you, you got to look at every, you know. <sighs> what keeps me going is when you get the real phone call from the real person that had a real experience and you're like, well, what proof do you have? I've got nothing. I like that because one thing that we see and Matt, Matt probably knows this. What do hoaxers always do? They always overplay their hands. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very similar to the way a serial offender does. Um, and, and if I sound like I have a very criminology side to it, I do, because there is a lot of parallels in serial offenders and in serial hoaxers. Because if you think about it, there's not much difference. A hoax is a crime, although it's not a legal definition of a crime. It's still purporting to. Um, it's deception. You know, it's a deception, and it's placed a shortcut by any means. It has mo- different motives. It has different uh, organizational things. Like sometimes you'll see a real organized hoax, like Todd Sandings' hoaxes are very organized.
0: Uh, a hoaxer is basically an illusionist who doesn't tell you that this is magic.
3: Um, but that doesn't help you with the sci- breaking down the psychology of things. Like you can take you can take a look at at a particular hoax, and. I came up with something very, very interesting. Almost any film you see where there's a child involved, and they're filming something and going, wow, look at that. Oh, my goodness. that's Bigfoot. That's a hoax. Because if I'm a parent and I see this unknown beast, my first inclination is not to pull out a fucking video camera. No. (laughs) <laughs> and say, and well, oh, that, look how great this is. It's going to grab that kid and run. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly.
0: You get that kid out of danger.
3: My my buddy, Chris Bennett, got a, uh, my co-host, Chris Bennett, got a video many years ago. It was a very brief video, very blah. But the reason why it was so brief was because they had a kid with them And they were armed, and they were actually said, we got to back out of here and get out of here. I'm just going to film this, but we're going to back out of here and get out of here. And that's what they did. That made sense. But you're not going to sit there and stand there in, in awe of a frigging Bigfoot with a little kid next to you. yeah, I,
0: You wouldn't I, do it I, with a bear. Yeah,
3: no. You wouldn't do it with a wolf. You wouldn't do it with a coyote. You wouldn't even do it with a deer or a moose. You'd be like, hey, back up. But then, you know, no, It's a point, wild animal.
2: It, at that point, it won't matter that you just found proof of Bigfoot. It matters that yeah. your kid is in danger.
3: Right, exactly. That is it.
2: And I don't care if it's your kid, any kid.
3: Any, right, it's a you natural. Know. It's a natural. So when you see the, these, these types of behaviors in film that go against the grain of natural behavior of humans... <laughs> big problem um one of one of the the things that kind of shook me to the core just recently um and, and this is really a, a a kick in the ass is that for a lot of years that picture behind you Chris people said that Roger Patterson did not have enough knowledge to construct a costume that was anatomically correct right mm-hmm. that was the big that was the big thing do you know that's not anatomically correct? The fact is, is, is that a female gorilla, female primates, do not have a conical shaped head. They have rounded heads. That is not correct. Hmm. And that shook me to my core. And you know how old that piece of information is? Came out in 1972 by a book by a guy who believed in Bigfoot, Dr. John Napier, who happened to be an anthropologist and a curator at the Smithsonian who analyzed that film. And, and uh, you know, some of the other things I didn't really watch with, but one thing you cannot dispute is the conical-shaped head is used to reinforce the jaws of a male gorilla. That's the whole thing. That's the whole basis hmm. of that thing. That's a female. That conical-shaped head does not belong there.
2: Gee, um, thanks for being such a downer. Well, yeah. well, let's see. I, I or,
0: well, then you know, it's not. We could say that Bigfoot is technically not a gorilla primates They are. It is a prime. We could say it's a primate, but correct. We, it, and, you know, not and a gorilla, technically and a, gorilla, a gorilla.
3: And a gorilla. maybe.
0: Maybe it evolved a little differently, Steve.
3: Uh, very well, could possibly be, but now we're going into just, that science fiction realm. About, yeah, well, yeah. Right?
0: Well, I love I love those realms anyway. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but but my my point being is it's just not the gorilla. I'm using the gorilla as an example. It also, is very prominent, and it's most prominent seen most prominently seen in the gorilla and the orangs, and they're both higher. You know, the great apes. Which yep. this obviously is not a a or a, a lower primate. So obviously, what we see in the higher primates is the conical ha- shaped head is a feature of a male, male. not a female. And I got thinking of that and going, and it did. It just kind of like going.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, it's one of those things that you want to, you just want to not. Remember. Unlearn. You yeah, want to unlearn. unlearn. Yeah, yeah, because.
3: But you can't. You can't because we, we you know, our duty, at least my duty, is to the truth. doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, and, a, a, and
0: that a, should be everyone's duty when
3: it comes I, to I agree. Problem. And that's. Now I'm, going to, I'm coming full circle to this. And the full circle is, is when you have a TV show and you're not putting something out there that's legitimate. And if it's true about Expedition Bigfoot, yes, that's a bad mark on those researchers because they're not out after for the truth. They're out for the almighty dollar and the 15 minutes of fame. And they're not really researchers to begin with, with the exception of maybe the uh, Ronnie LeBlanc, who I've known for years.
0: And see, and we all know that in the end, if it comes out that they were, you know, if if, if all the, the, the facts point to that, they were, in fact, trying to deceive people and they were like, quote unquote, hoaxing, you know, damn well that a majority of them will say, well, yeah, but we did it so that we could draw attention to the subject. You
2: Bullshit.
0: know, you're going to hear that type of shit, too.
3: Bullshit. They were drawing Bullshit. attention, just to like Todd topic. standing, just like Todd yeah. standing.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's bullshit. And
3: that would be my my answer to that, just like Todd standing. Yeah, because we know he's putting out bullshit. What's he? Maybe his his motion is to or his notion is to try to draw attention to the subject to get protective protection on them. Maybe that is his game because it certainly isn't for money. It certainly hasn't been for fame, but it's to to get protection for the species because he's always tried. You know lamenting the and look at my look at my evidence look at my evidence look at my evidence he's saying that to government so my guess is is that his goal is to get protection for the species and he's doing it you know down and dirty by any means he can
2: well i could i can tell you when we when we auditioned for that spike tv show bigfoot bounty my my yeah i know right uh my goal was money you know to if you get on TV, that's a better opportunity. You can make more money. Maybe you've become bigger in the industry or the, it didn't matter at that point. I don't think in my mind, of course I justified it. I'm sure Chris did too. Cause he auditioned. Mm-hmm. We justified it in our minds, but the goal was mine. And, and,
3: and I was the cat. I was actually the cat who said after consideration and they came down to my house and filmed me and everything. And, um, I said, after considering this, uh, it's not something I want to do. I'm glad it didn't work out. I really am. It really oh, was because lie. because what I what I heard what they told me was is that well they're going to be setting up certain scenarios where you have to find Bigfoot evidence. And I'm going. They're going to put out fucking phony evidence, and I'm not going to be wanting to be part of it. Well, and, that, and that and I step right away. One of the and uh, so I you know I do stand by my convictions.
1: One of the things uh, being passed around about the problem with Expedition Bigfoot is. Russell Accord, I mean, the International Bigfoot Conference, He, you know, he he puts on a Bigfoot conference to promote Bigfoot research and the evidence supporting the creature, and now he's using the show and the fame from the show, he's going to be using that, obviously, in this next year's conference to drawing money. Sure. So he's... Uh, there's a possibility if the accusations are true, if what people are saying is true, that not he's not keeping the two worlds separate, even if he is. Well, that was just for TV, and then here I am as a researcher now. You think crossing them over?
2: I think some people
1: can still be take, taken
2: seriously. Look at Meldrum, how many times have He'd been on a show where it's been just wrong, bad yeah. for him. But, but yes, then, again, will, but then again, take him, him but, serious.
3: But then again, that, that again is not him. That's the right. editors. That's the editors. Right. If you're putting some, a whole team on a scene, that's not the real scene, not deep in the woods, like they claim it was, then there's issues.
2: That's a, it is right? a different that's a situation.
3: Horse, because that, that very simply was. And and I remember, you know, i I talked with, with, with Dr. Dr. Jeff and, you know, it's true. They, they say, hey, listen, we're doing this documentary. And then said documentary doesn't get made. You know, they got an hour. They got an hour material of this documentary. And like, you know, this is kind of boring. Let's add elements of this, you know, fuckery and put it in there and, and splotch it in there and make it into a two hour program and call it capture of Bigfoot. You know, that's why it's a it, I've been very particular on what I pick to do a show on.
1: And the whole premise of Expedition Bigfoot was using advanced algorithms to pinpoint a location to go and look for Bigfoot. And so these advanced algorithms that they used and got all this data from led them to a resort cabin. <laughs> yeah.
3: like, it's, it, uh, it's very, it's very dubious. And truthfully, folks, the, the, the most dubious thing about it was, is this expert team of researchers that have not been researchers.
1: Right. See, that was it.
3: flag number one.
1: That's one of the big questions I have. And like, okay, I don't know if you saw this happening, but I noticed right before the show premiered, people in the Bigfoot community who I consider a part of the uh, popular kids table at lunch uh, and friends with Russell Accord and everything. And I am not bashing Russell Accord. <gasps> I don't know him well enough.
3: I'm not bashing they were coming
1: way. out, setting the stage. That basically, if you say anything negative after the show comes out about this show, you're just a jealous hater and it's unfounded. Russell's a good guy, blah, blah, blah. But then I'm hearing things like you just said where, well, Russell wasn't a researcher and Russell went and did like a couple of weeks of like survival school training so he could like present himself as a survivalist on the show and did a lot of bullshit. To build himself up as something he wasn't, um, there was some defense towards the uh, <clears throat> woman on the show, the scientist. I don't, I don't remember her name, but uh, people had said some things on the internet about certain physical features she had, and people were running to her defense on that, which I agree with absolutely. But mm-hmm. once again, and,
3: and, and, and but I, I will also predicate that this as well, Matt, is that she is a bona fide legit scientist. So uh, of of the whole team there, the one that's the real uh, that has any expertise would be her. She's a primatologist. I'll give her props for that.
1: Right, she yeah. is a bona fide scientist. Was she put on that show because of her credentials?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You think
1: they want they? So if she to- had weighed four hundred pounds and missing teeth and had better credentials, would she have been on the show
3: still? Well, well, of co- <laughs> of course not, because it's Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't think i you don't think I've i'm lost just a...
1: saying it just to me it came across as hey and we can get a hot uh primatologist on the show
3: i uh, we'll... excuse me uh, not not to be offend, offend anybody please don't take this the wrong way but there I'm was already a hot offended prim, there, there was a hot primatologist on that show i didn't see one I'm... okay <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying i i mean fair point but the,
1: but then the third member of the show was a fucking actor. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that has an interest in Bigfoot.
1: Because he did a Bigfoot movie.
3: It's almost like Jack Osborne doing a friggin' ghost show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because they didn't like Nick Groff because it was Zack Bagans' network. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just saying. It's all horse shit. I'm it, sorry, it, but it mo- a,
0: a, such a big majority of his is such horse shit. And I I I don't have the 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 capacity to to just go along with stuff like that. I mean, I see bullshit. Said, I, agree. I agree. Remember
1: what you just said earlier? Them using the excuse, well, it brings people to the Bigfoot community, right? Or, and that's or, what finding
3: Bigfoot did. Or you, know? you yeah. have you have to look at your inner self when Bigfoot Bounty was on, when you were auditioning to think, well, you know, this is a way to make money.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. I I You're definitely saying? looked so at it in the you beginning. Can fall, a... You can
3: you can fall into that trap very easily.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Chris and, and I, I...
3: Talk, Chris and I talked
2: about. Well, that'd be great promotion for the show. Yep. You know, but neither one prom-
1: of you guys were Bigfoot researchers either. Not nope. really. <laughs> no.
2: I mean, we were interested, and I was an investigator, <laughs> quote unquote.
1: But, but, but here's the deal. So it brings these people to the Bigfoot world. Great. finding! Bigfoot did it. And guess what it did? It brought people that thought finding Bigfoot was how research is done. Now it's going to bring people that believed Expedition Bigfoot was real. It's like the Mountain Monsters crowd. Mountain Monsters, yes, completely fake, fictional, whatever, entertainment. It wasn't presented that way on TV. And it brought people that believed it was all real to the Bigfoot world. So now we have this situation where the majority of the Bigfoot people think the bullshit is real and that if you speak out against it, I see this every day now. Why are there so many people that just shoot down everything that gets posted in this group? Haters, You should kick them out. You should ban them. them. They're every jealous. time somebody They're posts something, they shoot it down. Why are they even here? Jealous. Haters. Well, I'll tell you why I'm there. Because I saw a fucking Bigfoot. Right. <laughs> And I'm telling you that this costume that I can show you on Google
3: <laughs> is not a Bigfoot, right? You know the 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 sad thing about that, Matt, is, um, the jealousy argument is the same argument that hoaxers use. You don't believe my evidence because you know they're using the same arguments that hoaxers use. Oh, you're just a hater. You're jealous. You, yeah. you know, you you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's the same arguments we hear. It's
1: discrediting. Oh, we'll be talking alternative and, 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 and validating people.
3: And, and like I uh, like I say, I can see if there was some editing stuff that they didn't have control over, and I always caution that. But it, like I said, if this is true that they got put on this resort and did the show on the resort, that's a huge, huge obstacle to overcome for any credibility for that show. But I have been reading so much negative on that show. Um, that's unfortunate. And people forget the worst of the Bigfoot shows.
2: You mean Bigfoot bounty wasn't the worst?
3: No, (laughs) no, it wasn't. Oh, wow. No, it was shooting, shooting Bigfoot. Eight episodes were ever shot of that. It had the GCBRO.
1: I'm not allowed to speak on that documentary.
3: Ah, uh, see, now I got due, that feeling uncomfortable. Due to due to past, past
1: uh, relationships in the Bigfoot community,
3: uh, I would start a war <laughs> I know you would. if I, I ever know. unloaded on that. I know you would. And you can't tell me that that wasn't staged. Oh, bullshit. 100%. Yeah. Okay,
1: guess what? When you're in a fucking hunting stand out in the middle of wood, and it's light, and there's a blue light illuminating the hunting stand, yeah. and multiple fucking camera angles, it's not real, right?
3: <laughs> yeah. No. And the la- and the last ep- and the last episode where they auditioned the new guys and they didn't have proper fire control, that was like, you know, it was like, oh, come on, come on, come on and again it didn't it didn't fare well with the viewers no it didn't and uh you know i'm really surprised you know of who that came out of from but you understand that that's what hollywood wants and i'll
0: tell i'll tell you steve in all honesty of all of my favorite monster shows that were ever on i still go back to fucking monster quest
3: but that wasn't. But that wasn't a TV show. Those were a series of mini documentaries.
0: Right. And, and and that fucking, yeah. and I and I've bashed Monster Quest. Don't get me wrong. I've one of the first things I said about it was you can't go out in the woods for two weeks and fucking find any goddamn evidence. But at the same time, I would also say I love those fucking goddamn shows. Yep.
2: Show. It, it,
0: it, it was done in in a decent way like they would have the people on like you uh what the, what's that guy uh, Sarmiento there
3: No oh, Esteban Sarmiento
0: yeah. uh you know the uh, Meldrum uh, yeah. and, and, you know I I always felt like with Monster Quest it yes there was there was a little bit of fuckery there is with everything but that's the show that I go back to when I want to watch something and I want to sit down and be entertained by this stuff. I'll still go back this to this day and watch those episodes. You know. And
3: I and I, I will say, you know, there were different. See, we, a lot of people don't know about Monster Quest was, is every once in a while you get a Monster Quest episode was like one looked really staged or really hokey or really silly. That was because it wasn't the same production company doing each episode. Right, there, there were different production companies. I had one that came out of Quebec, so they stayed late because they didn't have to follow the american union rules Ah. that's why they were out there that's why they camped out with us that's why they were there and the only thing they did was they you know aside from a couple of b-roll shots where maybe you see my feet running or something that they cut into the episode uh which i felt was fair um they they had one at one point in the episode where you see me talking on the radio and there's a couple other members talking on the radio well they were reenacting what we were saying we were recording the whole thing so they knew exactly what to say and i was the only live person but they wanted to do that to give the appearance like they had several cameras in the woods following us and you know what do you think Um, that's fair okay i I, you know as long as you know we have one element that's real and that's fair you're
0: reenacting what happened not trying to fucking Show something different.
3: Right. And and the, and the funny thing was, is that, you know, a quarter, of it was the actual footage. And that was me talking the other, the other three guys that were talking were reenacting. I didn't have to reenact that. Right. So that was fair. And then they do the reenactments of the sightings and stuff like that. But yeah, there was no, there was not, they were like when, you know, and uh, the, the director who did that, his name was Mike Wafer. He's from the UK. Great guy. And he was all about being real, being on the scene, being legit. And then when we did, uh, he brought me over to the UK to do Truth Behind the Loch Ness Monster. He wanted me to do that. And, um, I mean, we had a great show there, too. We actually uh, caught out the uh, the uh, marine biologists that we had that were doing the hydrophones, um, where we had actually gotten a couple of schools of salmon and stuff like that. And one of the arguments for Loch Ness was, well, there's not enough food source. Well, <laughs> here's a huge, you know by the hydrophone alone we know this is a huge supply of salmon so that could lend a little more in support there is food source but they ended up cutting that out because that was too boring
0: Did you forget get to meet the guy that lives on the side of the fucking lock
3: uh steve dismore no he doesn't <laughs> live on the side of the lock anymore not anymore oh no he was in fact when i was there he was only living there part time going back way back in 2011 when i did this because yeah. he had a girlfriend in thailand so he would spend a lot oh, of time in Thailand visiting his girlfriend, a little bit on the lock, and then eventually, I
1: Just <laughs> reportedly girlfriend.
2: There's
3: somebody else we know that had a girlfriend in
2: Thailand. Yeah, what was that guy's name? Rick
3: Dyer. Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> Oh I I, remember, I I remember yeah I'm I'm not going to get that No
0: but can't. seriously though Steve when I when I you know when I look at all of the shit that we've had presented to us as far as like Bigfoot uh mysterious creatures paranormal whatever you want it, I go back to 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 Monster Quest it it was a show that I enjoyed yep. for all of its faults it was the one that was done as far as I'm concerned the the most proper right right you know even for all of its mistakes
3: you know, well it's- you know the the I, I can say with certainty that you know when you heard people talk on monster quest those were le- people that legitimately felt they had sightings 90 percent of the people on finding bigfoot the same thing when they did the town halls with the exception of being the squatchmaster master <laughs> you know and that idiot and todd standing and they pretty much called those guys out yeah. which wasn't a hard call because they were acting like it was. And then this is the disingenuousness. And I get that for TV. you got to kind of go in like, okay, we're doing this for the first time. You can't tell me they hadn't seen the Squatchmasters crap before or Todd Standings crap before. And I'd say, well, you know, after looking at this, you know, I really don't think that this is legitimate. Well, no shit. You, you knew that for years, but, you know, now you're officially going on the record. I don't know. So, you know, with TV, there's always that element of that. Right, and you know it, it's such a gray friggin' area. Um, and, and this whole expedition Bigfoot thing—it's it, very interesting to see how that's going to pan out. And uh, you know, I'm not the one to call that one out. Thankfully, um, you know, uh, I I did call one hoax out on paranormal caught on tape. Actually, I'm calling—I called out two of them. Um that they aired. Uh that's another show that does frequent Bigfoot evidence now is a show called Paranormal Caught on Tape. They actually had the Squatchmaster on it saying, Oh, we have this video from <laughs> yeah. Ohio. And there it and, and, and there it is on YouTube. Work, What's that, Alcorn?
2: Squatchmaster. I mean, good work there, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, good work. That took a lot, Steve, is what he's
3: saying. <laughs> yeah, but the other one was the uh was they, they had this kid on and his father and they, they saw this thing and it looked horrible behind the whatever it was a stump or something and then they had this recording and like oh I've heard that recording before it was the same one that I you that this other hoaxer had used and it was a gorilla sound recording. Yeah. <laughs> so see. Well, but just the, just the fact that a person like Squatchmaster gets on paranormal caught on cape means that or caught on camera means that very simply that they're just not looking at anything seriously. They're just, oh, whatever it is, put it up there, go with it. Content. That's all. Yep. It is. It's content.
2: Like YouTubers.
3: It's content. Yeah. Content.
2: Put it out there.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, that's what it's become. But uh yeah, on that note, gentlemen, I want to wrap this up. Steve, thanks for joining us tonight.
3: Hey, no problem. It was a lot of fun. I'll see you guys next week on my yeah, podcast.
0: Next week uh, we will uh be joining Steve after our show uh at nine o'clock next Sunday. We all three of us right now, as as we know, are going are scheduled to be on Steve's uh Squatch Detective. Is it what is it? Squatch TV?
3: Squatch DTV.
0: Squatch DTV. It's the 40 and slip takeover. So we'll be there next Sunday. I'll we'll figure out what we're going to do. And uh, until then, this has been the 40 and slip episode 123. The Rick Dyer freezer hoax. If you like this shit, hit the little thumbs up button. If you don't hit the little thumbs down button, leave a comment, subscribe, uh, check out good old Matt Knapp over at youtube.com forward slash bigfoot crossroads and youtube.com forward slash cryptid you can check out us on Anchor at anchor.fm forward slash the 14th slip. Uh, you can, I guess, go check out Parabreakdown. I don't know if the channel's up. Uh, have fun with that. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> uh, and as always, check out our good friend DreadFun at dreadfun.com and YouTube.com forward slash dreadfun. I don't have uh, your link, Steve. What is it for yours?
3: Uh, it's squatchdetective.com uh squatchdtv.com and uh you can segue into any of the pages from there and um oops i am just i'm actually trying to see if power breakdown is up ah curious
0: detective dot squatchdetective.com go there check out steve um
3: new book out too
0: and yes he is his new book uh, it's on unf- let me see if i can pop up the picture for that steve before we go uh cuz yep. you did send me the pictures for that and yep,
3: uh, the sasquatch playbook
0: pop those up through Facebook and that's guess,
3: guess what I, I I do see uh power, the power breakdown page
0: it's still up uh let me share my screen we'll go chrome tab Facebook and there is Steve's new book the Sasquatch playbook a believer looking at the Sasquatch mystery through the eyes of a skeptic by Steve Culls. I will be checking that book out um, he did send me a copy of that, so I will uh, check that out before next week. Yeah, and let me know. We will uh, we'll figure out what we're gonna what yeah. we will uh, talk about next week. But uh, yeah. until then, everybody have a wonderful week. You can check out Steve. Are You going live at nine o'clock tonight, Steve?
3: We'll be live at nine o'clock uh, with Wisconsin researcher Jay Bachochin.
0: So if you guys want to continue your fun tonight, you can slide on over to watch Steve at around 9 p.m. on Squatch DTV. Uh,
2: until then... Hey,
3: it's-